This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we are here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, Cigar City, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. DJ, it's a, a glorious Monday, at least for you it seems. By me, it's all cold and rainy, but uh, even though the weather might be bad or even cold or snowy by you, I would imagine that things just feel like you are walking through a warm summer day for whatever reason. Yes, we have uh, about eight inches of snow where I live, uh, and this morning it was beautiful. I've got some cedar trees in my backyard, and the snow, it, it did that thing uh, that snow does where on those sort of um, cedar trees, those those types of trees where the snow just hangs on to the branches. They're designed for the snow in a way. Um, that was excellent, and it was really the great wake-up uh, for me after we won yet another Super Bowl World champions, America's team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Taylor's team. Yeah, Taylor's version of this Super Bowl. Dear listener, if you are going back and listening to this from the future, hello to the future to you, but this is recorded the day after Super Bowl 58, I think, 58, something like that. Yeah, 58, Yeah, and so DJ is riding a high, and it's funny, I texted him during the Super Bowl, as soon as the Chiefs took the lead for their first time, and I said, can you record tomorrow? <laughs> I was going to wait until the, the Chiefs were, were doing good, and they did end up pulling it out. They won. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, if you're here from the future, the Chiefs won back in the day. Uh, but uh, we, we were able to do this because we had wanted to record this for a little while. It's uh, my trip report from Tampa or Cigar City, as it's known. I, I don't really smoke cigars or even know anything about them, but it's a nickname for the city um, in that area. So I, I wanted to bring a little bit of that local flavor there. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. Um, it's a very sprawled out city from as much as I know about Tampa. It just seems immense. You've got Tampa, and then you've got the Bay, of course, and then you've got... Um, there's a couple larger suburbs that almost have their own sort of vibe to them. I think St. Pete's over there, right? Yeah, Clearwater's nearby as well. It's, uh, it's funny. I mean, from the top of Shikra, I can see, oh, there's the Tampa skyline. And then a little farther off, oh, I think that's St. Petersburg. Uh, so it's funny seeing those uh, twin or tri-cities, I guess. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of people and a lot of traffic sometimes. But it was a great visit. And a lot of Wawa's around that area, too. There's an excellent Wawa just outside of Busch Gardens, Tampa. And I'm sure you're going to tell us a little bit about your trip there. I literally did not see one Wawa when I was there. I guess I wasn't looking hard enough. (laughs) You might not have been. My last journey to the Wawa just outside of Busch Gardens, Tampa, uh, involved Siptopia and all the great things associated with Wawa. It was in a great location. And I thought, wow, they must have known Bush Gardens Tampa's right there. Let's put this Wawa right here. We're going we're gonna to make it out big. That's weird because I spent a lot of time around the perimeter of Bush Gardens Tampa where I literally walked the road just south of the park itself. Uh, and I, I went to different locations. I stayed in a hotel sort of on the other side of Shikra. So I had to walk down the, the bottom 
of the park around the preferred parking lot gate and then over on to the east side. But I, I didn't see a Wawa there. That would have been nice. That would have been a little piece of home to be able to get a Wawa for the first time. And I don't remember how long, many months at least. And it's great that they're so close to the uh, university over there as well. Uh, great proximity right by there to the park. And I'm sure that greatly helps with recruitment strategy. Yeah, I mean, Siptopia and, uh, wow, man, I'm just, you, you derailed me, DJ. You got me thinking about Wawa, and I had this whole outline planned out, but now I'm just thinking about their bread and those hoagies and the frappuccinos that have the little cookies and cream in it. Oh, well, well, for another time, I guess. But DJ, before we dive fully into my Tampa trip, I wanted to just share one more memory with you related to last night's festivities for the Super Bowl. It's about the halftime show. Oh, uh, yes. Usher played a great show, had a, a ton of guests, and a lot of the music, the best way to describe it for me would have been early 2000s roller rink music. Because I don't know if you know right. this about me, DJ, I took figure skating lessons until second grade. I did not know that about you. Yeah. It was a good time. We were just having fun. It wasn't competitive or anything, but we uh, we spent a lot of time at the rink growing up. I never switched to those inline skates. I mean, the inline skates were for hockey players or whatever, but I I had those two-by-two skates and and that was the sort of music that they would play on the roller rink in addition to other music as well but a lot of those songs of course i've heard them since but i guess i most viscerally associate them with the roller rink and so that brought it back for me and and wouldn't you know it they broke out their own roller skates during the show which was very impressive and i worked at sonic drive-in in high school so i guess you and i chris uh, we we share a uh, roller skates in our history i do find in our lower lines yeah the inlines i find a bit easier than the two by twos oh not for me but i haven't roller skated in probably five seven years now maybe more than that i wonder if i could i'd probably break my ankles i, I guarantee you could i feel like it's just like riding a bike it's just like riding a skateboard same sort of thing Okay, well, I I might have to figure that out because I don't even know if there are roller rinks where I live, and then how would I even approach something like that? That that might be a fun topic for a future <laughs> episode about my return to the roller rink and what that looks like. But we'll have to get into that later. Recently, DJ, we've also had some fun with the podcast right here with Corkscrew Convos. We just had an episode called Epic Universe Revealed, where we broke down all of the announcements and sort of announcements for Universal's newest theme park opening next year in 2025 down in Orlando. It was very impressive. Yes, uh, that was a great episode that we did, and what a great experience that we had as well. Lots of uh, uh, great conversations that we had related to that. Um, and of course, I also went down to the Alamo. That was a great time in San Antonio, uh, exploring some of the parks down there uh, in what is the second largest city in Southern Texas. Qualifier, Southern Texas. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it was a great time. I love these trip report episodes that we do where one of us maybe goes somewhere and has all these adventures and we bring it back to the other to share with them, but also the dear listener. Uh, I think that's really fun and it's a nice 
time capsule because we can go back to that episode and it brings back a, a ton of memories. Like I'd be interested if if you have the time, DJ, I'm going to schedule you some homework. I want you to listen to DJ's Western Expedition, I think we titled it, where you went to Colorado. And I want the I want you to, to get your opinion on that because that was just about two years ago that you took that trip. Maybe even three years ago. Yeah, just about it three was, years it ago. Was four years ago. Four years ago. What? Well wait, hold hold on, hold on. Oh, the Glenwood Caverns trip. Yeah. Okay, that would be hold on a second. That would be Oh man, that's tough. It was that the one. late spring of 21, wasn't it? Yeah, 22. Let's see, 20. Yeah, it would be 21. You're right. Okay. I had been to Colorado for the very first time, same sort of area, uh, in 2020, uh, two months before the pandemic and a month before the Chiefs beat the 49ers the first time in the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, so I, I, didn't, I didn't know if we even, I guess we hadn't started the podcast then because, right, we started it during the pandemic. So, yeah, that makes sense. So there's an entire trip to Colorado that's never been documented on this podcast. Although I will say, not, not amusement fo- park focused. Okay. Well, I'd be interested if you were to listen back to that episode. And who knows, dear listener, if you want to join DJ in his homework, you're welcome to. And go ahead and listen to DJ's Western Expedition, because uh, that was fun to hear about that, just to walk through your day and, and see how it was. I remember you describing the highways, especially, DJ, as something that really, really took me. I was like, wow, Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, some fun episodes we had. This is going to be another fun trip report episode as well. Uh, so if you're new to Corpse Convos, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We're glad you're here. Uh, take a look around, take a listen, and we hope you enjoy yourself. If you'd like to take a, a piece of the show home with you, there's a really easy way to do that. That's by going to our store. Uh, it is on corkscrewconvos.creator-spring.com or just find the link in our link tree on social media. Uh, once again, that is corkscrewconvos.creator-spring.com or just go to our link tree on Twitter or Instagram or what have you uh, to check out what we're doing over there. We have a couple of new items there, DJ. I got struck with a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. So, I wanted to take to Photoshop and see what we could do to represent the show on new media. Media not meaning like watching the news channel, but media being the plural of medium, where we put Corkscrew Convos on the air and we put it online, but now we are finding a way to put it in a, a tangible means. And, and it's fungible. I'm not going to lie. It's fungible. Some elements are non-fungible. We're not going to be putting about NFTs or anything like that. Of course not. But uh, there are ways to to take the show home with you. So just a couple of the new things that we have out there uh, are things that we've put out there deliberately and with thought in mind. We're not just going to slap our logo onto any little thing like a shower curtain, even though that might be intriguing. I don't necessarily think that would fit our brand uh, or would serve anyone's needs at all but we have a a nice mug 
that uh, I shopped around for the different product options, and I was pretty happy with how it turned out with the mug itself, where it has the Corkscrew Convos logo on it, and then it has sort of under the sun and a little word mark design around the rest of it, because we talk about uh, everything else under the sun in its time, but uh, I thought that was a, a fun way to represent the show in a new way. And so we have that, we have a shirt that does have the logo on the, the pocket area as well, uh, but it's a, a, a particular shirt that we picked out. We're just going to put it on any old random t-shirt as well. So we wanted to have something that could represent the show like that. We could take the show home with you. Uh, now there's one more thing, DJ, that I am working on. It's not done yet, so we haven't been able to post it. Uh, but let me just open up the store real quick. Let's see. Now, DJ, uh, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit but you are not on your typical setup due to internet connectivity issues. My question to you is, if I were to share my screen with you, would you be able to view it? Yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, I'm going to show this to DJ without any introduction. I'm going to see what he thinks and what he thinks it is, and then we are going to tell the dear listener what it is. So a little bit of... Uh, movie magic happening right now. I'm sharing my screen as of right now. You should be seeing my Photoshop, DJ, are you? Okay, yes, I see. Whoa. Okay. What do you think we're looking at here? <laughs> uh, well, originally I thought it was just a tank top. <laughs> okay, it's not a tank top. Maybe next time. But also, I'm getting some McDonald's vibes from those objects on the left and right. Yeah, I thought that a little bit. I might have to tweak the design. It's, okay. uh, it's not a finished product by any means, and that's why it's not out there yet, because there's a lot of thought and design that would go into such a product. But the platform that we use to sell these items, they have the option of printing all over a hooded sweatshirt or a shirt. And so we're looking at what that would look like with the, the corkscrew convos colors and whatever else. Uh, so I, late Saturday night, I was curious. I said, what would this look like? So I started putting our colors together and tweaking the different color variations with our sort of purplish blue periwinkle even, I might say. I'll probably say periwinkle. And then the nice rich orange that we have with it. And the reason why DJ said McDonald's is because uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do with the sleeves because we can completely control what is printed on each component of the hooded sweatshirt. And so I sort of went with random stripes on the, um, <laughs> it does look like fries, random stripes on the, <laughs> the sweatshirt. And that is the total printed area. So there would be some bleed involved around the edges, but that is essentially what would be printed and then wrapped around the arm were we to go with this design. So it's going to be workshopped. I'm not sure if it'll ever even come to life here, uh, but I'm curious about it because it's a, a pretty sharp outfit right here. I mean, it'd be silly to have a corkscrew convos hooded sweatshirt, but I mean, that's what we're all about. <laughs> we are silly people. Yeah, we're very silly people. We love to have a silly time. I used to have a, uh, a vest, a button-up vest with a hood. What are your thoughts on that? A button-up vest with a hood. Is that like an Assassin's Creed thing? 
uh, my friends that's, who listen, they're going to be like, oh, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's the vibe that I get from it. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm like, yeah. Uh, now, let me see how to stop sharing my screen. I mean, everything is changing now. It's, it's funny, DJ. My laptop in the place where I go during daytime had to be re-imaged. So that meant I essentially was handed back a new laptop and it went from windows 10 to windows 11 and now it's the newest adobe stuff and i'm like everything is different oh, my workflows are all slow now because i'm trying to figure out how to move microsoft teams over to this screen now but it doesn't just <laughs> drag for whatever reason and i'm running into that a little bit here because they used to have the little tab that could help you to stop sharing the screen but I'm not seeing that because, of course, they wouldn't just keep it how it was. They have to change it. Of course they do. Stop share. Okay. There we go. There we go. I sounded uh, like uh, someone who's... It was, it was uh, very, uh, yeah, someone who was not annoyed maybe computer about savvy. <laughs> it happens I, I, to all of us now and again. I consider yourself computer savvy, so... Yeah, until they handed me back essentially a, a wiped computer. And I was like, square one, here we go, buckle up. Uh, but you know what I did buckle up for was that trip to Tampa. We just took a, a very short trip last weekend. Uh, we had the, the, the time off and it made sense where I had the SeaWorld Pass, and I said, sorry, the United Parks Pass. And I said, you know uh, what? <laughs> we that's a change since that, our yeah. last recording. Yeah. And... I said, you know what? We have to go down to Busch Gardens, Tampa. It's more than a decade since I had been to that park. I had spent one part of a day there in 2013 in June, literally the day after they announced Falcon's Fury because they had just put the posters up on the construction walls. And so I, it had this mythical space in my head where I had these incredibly legendary rides on Kumba, on Montu, and on Cheetah Hunt especially. I was like, wow, this park has these three rides in it and everything else too? It's incredible. So over the years, when I'd visit more parks here and there, Busch Gardens Tampa, I had a, a special appreciation for because I was like, yeah, this park is good, but how does it compare to Busch Gardens Tampa? So to be able to get back there was very special for me as well. 11 years later, uh, I have changed, uh, I think so. I've been to more parks. I know more. I am more. But it was a good time. I mean, long story short, it was a blast. I flew in early Friday morning, flew out Sunday evening. So it was a nice long weekend there. I have to shout out Quinn and Haley. They were incredible guides and really showing me what Tampa is. There's, of course, we couldn't do it all in one weekend, but I was able to see so many different elements of the city, the campuses around there as well. Ebor looks like an incredible district too. Uh, we went to the, let me see, the Armature. We spent some time at the Armature as well. And we'll get into that later. But of course, we spent some time at a little park called Bush Gardens Tampa as well. Uh, so getting down there with that early morning flight, DJ, it was one of those flights where you get on the plane and then you sit there for an hour. And that hasn't usually happened what, to me. What do you What do you mean? You sit there for an hour? You sit sit there for an hour taxiing? Not taxiing at the gate. We get on. They close the door. And we just sit there for an hour. Now, how, something about how early? Or is this an early early flight or an early 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 flight? 
Uh, well, that depends. I got up, well, let's say I got to the airport at 5.15. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought you were going to say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was able to get a parking deal for their daily decks, so I uh, was able to park pretty close and, and get that convenience there. But uh, got there early. We got there onto the plane. They said, yeah, we had to do a little uh, maintenance thing and working on some paperwork. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a delay. And so then, yeah, we were delayed for a little while. And I usually have pretty good luck with those, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. But finally, we got into the area. I go to the Tampa airport and I see the huge flamingo that I have only seen in photographs. And I was like, there it is. The enormous flamingo. I love it. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I have heard of the flamingo. I've not seen it in a photo. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, if you viewed my Instagram stories on my personal Instagram, you'd see it, DJ, but that's okay. It's a... I'm sure I forgot. (laughs) No, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's my, it's... In the lobby, between terminals, or have you describe it, there is an enormous sculpture of a flamingo where there are the two flamingo legs and then the flamingo neck and head uh, reaching down from the ceiling as if the ceiling is the waterline. And so I encourage you, DJ and dear listener, go check that out. It's a, a very cool element that makes sense i guess for tampa i mean it sets it apart it's unique when i see a photo of that i know there that's tampa and uh, it's right by a tommy bahama shop uh but well i was intrigued because no, i saw that South i saw Florida. that story okay but i i let's just say i came prepared when i went to tampa so i i arrived in a floral print shirt so i did not have to stop by Tommy Bahama to get something like that. Uh, But I just thought it was amusing that they have such a brand uh, represented so prominently there in Tampa in that airport. They knew what they're doing there in trying to cultivate a vibe. Uh, Yeah, they know who's traveling there. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically it's South Florida. So yeah, I mean, it's fancy. I love it. Uh, But getting out into the airport itself, where I'm now in the fresh air, the best way to describe it it's the, the air smells green. And do you know what I'm saying when I say that, DJ? Uh, I think by that you mean it smells humid. It smells lush. Lots, yeah. of, lots of greenery. Yeah, it wasn't incredibly humid during my visit. Yes, but there was, there was greenery filtering the air or putting out fragrance like that too. It's tough to describe, but you know what I mean if you are coming from somewhere where the trees are dormant during the winter and then you go to this space that is suddenly full of lush greenery and it smells green, I think is the best way to describe it there. I boarded the, the plane somewhere cold. It was in the lower 40s or something like that. I get off the plane and it's in the mid 60s and the sun is out (laughs) and the pine trees, no, no, the pine trees, the palm trees are palming to say the least. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I got there in Tampa. It was fun. I dropped off my bags. I stayed at the La Quinta that is adjacent to Bush Gardens property. Uh, It is on the west border of the park. So very close, very convenient from that sense there. It was a perfectly fine hotel, but I made a beeline to the park because I 
I got that itch when you get there, where you can see the coasters from afar, but you haven't ridden anything yet. And you're like, what am I doing here? I got to go ride something. And it gets stressful. But so I said, I got to get to the park. I dropped off my bags. I didn't even check in. Uh, and I, I walked to the park. I didn't hey, this really... is an early morning flight, so it's probably what, noon? Yeah, it was just around that time, a little later than I was originally hoping for due to the delays. But with that, I was finally there. It was around noon, like you said. And so I walked along the, the south border of the park, along the, the, the big tall fence as well. And then right once I co- the reached fence the corner spikes. itself. Yes, there are spikes and signs to tell you that there are spikes as well. Uh, but there is a, a little cut through for pedestrians to enter the preferred lot once you get over to the east border of the park there as well. But uh, it was an incredible time. I finally got in. I said, wow, there's Cobra's Curse. I had never seen it in person before. Uh, but there it was. And I was getting antsy. I got into the park. I scanned my Platinum Pass at the Platinum Gate because, I mean, it pays to be Platinum. And I said, I'm here. What do I do first? I, <laughs> I particularly hadn't looked at a map very closely since I'd gotten there because it had been a busy week. And I was like, I'll figure it out once I'm there. I do oh. have to give a big shout out to the wayfinding signs. They definitely, <laughs> uh, they did help me out a lot. Uh, oh, I, it is a, a large, large park. <laughs> it is. And I only really got lost on the other side of the park, but we'll get into that soon. Uh, I was in the park. I said, I haven't ridden anything else. I haven't read anything at all. I have to go ride something. So I got in line for Cobra's Curse. It was quoted at 40 minutes of a line, but it seemed like it was trending longer based on how things were moving. So here we go. There was a sign in the queue uh, advertising their quick queue. So I scanned it and I said, you know what? It's priced at $30. I think it was $29.99. I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. I had looked at the price of quick queue. No, this is for uh, unlimited for the day. Oh, okay. I thought this was like the one-time use that some parks <laughs> no. do. It's like no, no, thirty dollars no. to ride Cobra's Curse one time. Not Cobra's Curse. <laughs> Maybe Cheetah Hut. But I, <laughs> I got the Quick Q Unlimited. I had looked at the pricing for it in the week prior, and it was only nineteen ninety nine uh, ahead of time. So it looks like they do up the price when you are there on the day of, and it makes sure. sense because my right. demand would be more inelastic. I would be more likely to get it if I'm looking, which is why they price it so much like that at, uh, at the increased price on the day of purchase. But I bought it on my phone. I redeemed it on my phone. They sent it to my email, and then I left the queue. I went into the, the quick queue entrance for Cobra's Curse, and then I went right on. It's a very favorable merge at Cobra's Curse there. Uh, so that was good. I mean, Cobra's Curse itself, DJ, have you ridden it? I have. I uh, rode it for the first time on my last trip there with dear listener Ryan. Um, that was my second ever trip. And I, I liked Cobra's Curse. Um, I think it made us a little more uh, queasy or nauseous than we hoped, and I think that was because we had ridden everything in the park except for that and Montu, and they're kind of together. So we yeah. waited till the end. Maybe not what I would recommend, but that's what we did. I really like Cobra's Curse. I feel like it often has a long line based on the uh, how many people can ride it. Uh, yeah, like uh, they have a pretty low height requirement. It's also that mid-ground ride. They don't have too many of those. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably one of their more tame rides for kids. 
Yeah, it was definitely a kids ride there. A lot of kids going to ride that. But I was impressed with how the the station moved like that. It was a continuously moving yeah. station. Yeah. Um, and it was and the interesting is to watch. Immaculate. It is. I was like, huh, they, they really put some effort into this. I, I didn't really get to spend much time in the room with projection mapping in the queue, uh, but I had a good time. And, and they had uh, the audio throughout the ride as well. I loved when I crested the, the tower and then we go right by the cobra's head and then boom, you're just looking at giraffes. They're just giraffes next door. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and that was the, the first animals that I had seen at Bush Gardens on that day. I was like, wow, okay, there are giraffes. They're here. This is Bush Gardens, Tampa. Uh, so that was a good ride. I mean, it's a fun ride that it has a forwards p- a portion, a backwards portion, and then a sort of a free spin portion uh, and some nice show elements as well. Uh, but that's a, a fun ride. That, and definitely. Uh, what about that elevator, Like, kind of like teeters? Did that freak you out? For some people, you know, they're like, that's the most terrifying part of the ride. What do you mean teeters? Uh, I thought the elevator sort of did the... Maybe it doesn't. I thought it did the sort of Intamin thing where... Um, it it goes to the right and goes to the left so that the other elevator platform can. I believe make room it does it. that. Um, I didn't particularly notice it bowing in or out as a result of that, but it certainly does move around the uh, complementary with an E uh, arm from that sense. But uh, it's impressive. I mean, to have a, a tower lift like that and a lift hill. And then uh, a, a mid-course break as and well. And then greeted a lot by that large on. snake, that large cobra just staring at you. <laughs> now, I, cool. didn't, I didn't get this. Was I supposed to not look into the eyes of the cobra? Because I did. I was yeah, full I, in. I, I, I only, said, I'm looking. We only wrote it once, similar reasons for what you said, because of, of lines and that sort of thing. But um, I, I don't recall really the story of that ride at all, other than me saying, wow, this whole queue is themed better than an entire regional park sometimes. <laughs> It was a very impressive ride. I was able to ride it several times that day due to the quick queue because the merge was so uh, favorable there. Okay. I'd wait one or two trains with the quick queue, and that removed like a, a wait that was either 40 to 70 minutes through different points in the day, and I was able to get on in probably 5 to 10 minutes each time. Uh, so that was very worth it. It's, um, it's sort and, of Williams, or it's sort of Tampa's Verbolton in a way. I think that ride. Now, it's interesting because Cheetah Hunt is what they had built around the same time as Verbolton. But I'd say it's a more intense ride uh, than Verbolton. I'm in love with Cheetah Hunt, DJ. (laughs) It's what I was going to talk about next. I'm in love with it. By now, I had the Quick Q Unlimited. So they also have a very favorable merge for Cheetah Hunt, which can get a long line as well uh, due to the the size of the trains and how cool it looks. Everybody wants to ride it. Well, it's a long ride, and it's it's a ride that, you know, a lot of people can do because they're like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not super high, and you don't see it. So I think that's an appeal, too. Yeah. So I, I was able to ride that several times that day as well because I got the quick queue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Friday my grand tour that I run through, that I tear through the park and ride everything just to make sure that I get everything done. Because I think that's a great tip if you are visiting somewhere new or new to you for a while is if you want to make sure you get on something because things can close, things can have long lines, you might have to go somewhere. 
make sure you get to it and do it. And then you can take a leisurely time around the park later on. Uh, and I needed to, to come back to all this park. I had Cheetah Hunt in my top 10 in 2014, I think. And I hadn't ranked in a while. And I'm going to have to re-rank now, DJ, with all the coasters that I've ridden. Oh, yeah. But I got, I got to think Cheetah ago. Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Cheetah Hunt still has to be in my top 10 because of how good it is. I rode it in the front. Somebody else. It was fun because the merge for Quick Q just puts us right at the grouper. And they'd say, yeah, go in whatever, whatever row you want. And so I said, okay, I'll go in the front row. <gasps> oh, and it was so good, DJ. I love Cheetah Hunt. It has some intensity, but not too intense. There are multiple launches. If I'm riding in the front, the wind is running through my, my hair there. It's picturesque. They have the S-Bends through the water. It goes by the Serengeti. I mean, what else could you want, DJ? It's so good. It's so good. Do you want me to tell you what else I could want? or? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. <laughs> no pun intended. Animal theme park. Um, like, that ride would probably benefit from the new Intamin lap bars, right? I mean, that's one reason yeah. I, don't, I don't like Cheetah Hunt. And... The height that I am, I'm not a tall person, um, and when I wear my glasses, the ridges on those old-style intimate restraints slam my glasses into my head, and what could be a good ride, I just, I, I can't I can't do it, because if I'm not comfortable on it, you know, why should I rank it, rank it high? And that's what's so great about rankings, I think, is how subjective they are, and that's one yeah. of the things I love about this industry. I love hearing people's opinions, not to argue with them or anything, just be like, oh. That's interesting. Well, here's here's what I think about that ride. Um, so for me, it's that I think we had talked on this podcast before about you know how sort of that random heartline barrel roll inline twist, whatever it's called. Um, exactly. Like you add that, and so now you have this coaster that okay, if you're afraid to go upside down, now you you know quote unquote can't ride it, or I should say you won't ride it. Um, and does that therefore increase the height limit? Is that why you have to have these over the shoulders? Well, Velocicoaster, you don't, but of course, once a ride's built and you've spent all this capital, it's really hard to justify, okay, let's spend even more capital to quote unquote improve this when it may or may not impact our visitation. Like, are people going to notice that we don't have these over-the-shoulder restraints? And are we going to be able to say as a park, spend all this money, say, hey, ride Cheetah Hunt, it's, it's, it's better. Like, does that sell tickets? I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't really make sense to go back and, and take out that inline twist, whatever it is. Uh, but it is, it's interesting. I, mean, I wonder if during the design process, if they had not included that inversion, I wonder if I that would have meant that they could have had the lap bar or the T-bar restraint. Um, it's, it's something that we may never know, but uh, it's interesting to consider. But I guess long story short, it is such a good ride, and I just rode that so many times um, throughout the weekend itself. Yeah, I think I would just say um, it's just one of those things that, you know, we could probably do an hour-long podcast on speculation of why and, and, and should it be gone, but, you know, it's there, and it is what it is. But I do think that is, yes, for you, dear listener, if you've never been to this park, um, expect that ride to have the longest lines, both Cobra's Curse and cheetah hunt pretty good chances that's that's going to be a reality even on busy days because like chris was saying it's it's really the capacity there and how popular of attractions they are yeah and with those two rides themselves they were pretty much the only rides that i was able to use my quick q and limited on throughout the day 
uh, because it was not a terribly busy day in Busch Gardens Tampa as far as how it felt in the park. Uh, like I would go to Montu and there would be maybe a, a three or four train wait, uh, but it would be one train operations. Uh, and when the quick queue merge is at the station itself and there's no grouper, there's really no advantage to using the quick queue on a ride like Montu or like Kumba later on in the day. If it were busier uh, day as well and the quick queue may be more expensive, I was able to get it pretty cheap. But if it were busier, there would be an advantage to having a quick queue and then uh, being able to skip most of the wait to then merge into the station at a ride like Kumba or um Montu, but uh, with the, the way that it was going right there, it really didn't make sense to, to use that there as well. Shikra, there was a little bit of advantage based on how the merge goes for uh, the quick queue in Shikra as well, but not all the rides there uh, really make sense on a slow, busy day, sort of like that. Uh, but definitely, if you are considering quick queue and you need to ride Cheetah Hunt and Cobra's Curse several times, that's the way to do it. Uh, this particular product did not include Iron Gwazi or Serengeti Flyer as the two newest rides in the park, uh, but we were certainly able to get on them and ride without issue there. Well, yeah, when I visited too, I sort of echoed the same thing. It was kind of those two attractions were the busiest. The other ones seemed sort of not necessarily free-for-all, but, you know, you're waiting maybe a cycle uh, or two. Um, rides like Kumba towards the back, virtually no wait at all. And I think Serengeti Flyer didn't have a bad wait either. Yeah, I mean, Serengeti Flyer, sometimes they'd be running one side of it, sometimes they'd be running both, especially on that Saturday, they were running both sides. But Gwazi itself, that weight, sorry, Iron Gwazi itself, that weight would definitely fluctuate. I was able to catch it on a Friday afternoon where it was like a five-minute wait. And I shared that photo on the Corkshoe Combo's Instagram, and I said, blessed. Because here we go, going to ride Iron Gwazi for the first time. Uh, and I didn't have to wait very long at all. So I ended up riding it like three or four times in that afternoon before going on to the other rides on that side of the park. But that, I mean, DJ, I was trying to figure out a way to put it into words. I think it has to be the best roller coaster by Larson International that I've ever ridden. <laughs> I put that tweet out there as well, or that post on X. Uh, where with the corporate synergies, mergers, acquisitions, wow. whatever, um, so Larson edgy. and RMC are the same company now for all intents and purposes. Yes. So I, I said, wow, look at this Larson coaster. It's the best one I've ridden yet. And it got a little bit of traction there. People were amused by that. And of course, so was I. But Iron Gwazi, ooh, that's a ride, DJ. Now that's a ride. The death roll was the best element for me. And tell us, uh, for the dear listener at home, what the death roll is. Well, it's named after something that crocodiles do when they're hunting or fighting or whatever. They clamp on and then they roll. And this is a after a crocodile. It is, yes. Uh, Gwazi back in the day used to be a lion and a tiger as a, a dueling GCI wooden coaster. But when they finally fused together, it became a crocodile, which might also be a gator because in the queue they had different theming for and, and fun facts for both gators and crocodiles. So there was a lot going on there, but I was entertained. Uh, but the death roll, you, you go and you twist this way. I mean, just watch the video, dear listener. I'm not going to do it justice, but we twist all this way. And then we twist the rest of the way while going down a hill as well. It yeah. was incredible. It's like those designs that you would make on No Limits where you wonder, 
Is this possible? Can people experience this and, and like it? The answer is yes for the death roll. It was incredible. Yeah, you're banking up to what's, I think, the third tallest point of the ride, third or fourth. And as you get to the t- very top of that hill, you bank the other way and you go completely upside down while going downhill. Such a such an interesting element. That was also my favorite element on that ride. Yeah, I mean, I would have to put Iron Gwazi, like I said, top RMC coaster, ahead of Steel Vengeance, ahead of Twisted Timbers, ahead of Lightning Rod, ahead of Outlaw Rod. It's, it's such a good ride. I love that it is so swoopy. With the other rides, you go and you have a bunch of little hops and bumps and, and moves like that. And those are fun, where you shuck and jive like you're on a roller coaster there. But to stay big up and down and twist and maneuver and majestic like that, while it isn't as large of a ride or as uh, long as a ride as some of the other rides, it's good. It's so good. I think I'm starting to show my age because I, I now think my definitive favorite RMC um, is um, Iron Rattler. And I think it's all to do with that Gerschlauer train that it runs. I'd believe it. I mean, the, the Iron Gwazi trains, they were the first time I've ridden, I think, that generation of RMC train. And that was, I think, noticeably more comfortable. I feel like the train was taller compared to the seat than Isn't the, it the Steel Vengeance train. I'm not sure if it's exactly it's, the same. It's not Twisted Timbers. I know that. I I don't know about their train generations, but I know they had but little changes here and there to update their rolling stock. But it felt like a more substantial bucket seat. So I had a little more side-to-side support throughout the rolling. I almost wish that... I don't know what the relationship is there. Uh, I'm sure RMC wants to make their own trains, but I know that uh, Jeffrey Siebert, Six Flags Fiesta Texas, when we had him on the podcast on a previous episode, check that episode out to your listener if you haven't listened. Um, you know, he talked about getting that third train on a Iron Rattler, and of course you can't just make like, RMC do it. Gerschlauer had to do it. They did the two trains on that. Um, I'll tell you what, man, that train is just so comfortable and I think I am getting old because it's like no matter the intensity of the ride, like Iron Gwazi, I, here's what I'll say about it because I know I've talked about it and then I'll, I'll move on. But um, I think it is the most intense RMC. It's not my favorite, but it is the most intense RMC, hands down. I don't know if, I mean, are you talking about intensity in terms of G-forces? Yeah, just to where like I just feel like <laughs> the most beat up, I guess. Like, even Steel Vengeance, I guess, would be the, the other one in contention where it, I get off Steel Vengeance and I'm like, okay, I want to do that again. I'll do it again. And Iron Gwazi, I was like, hmm, like, I don't know. That was a lot. I'm like, I think I need a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all need a little break here and there, DJ. But, I mean, Iron Gwazi, that was something. I wrote it in the front. I wrote it in the back. I wrote it in the middle, of course. I think it's a front row ride if yeah. I had to pick. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's... It's definitely... What about that hmm. lift hill? That It's like almost 70 degrees or something. Yeah, it hauls. It and moves. It, and it goes so... It's so steep. <laughs> yeah. To where it, it uh, almost like kind of loses the, the height factor on something like a Morgan Steel Eel I was just on where it's 200 feet, shorter than Iron Gwazi, but you just take forever. You feel like, okay, I'm going up pretty high. Iron Gwazi, you're up there in like 15 seconds. Yeah. I loved it. And... I, of course, haven't done my rankings yet, but that's got to be somewhere in my top 10 along with Cheetah Hunt. 
Uh, between those two rides and then Serengeti Flyer, I'd probably say those were my top three favorite rides at the oh, park there. Serengeti's so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've ridden uh, Screaming Swings before, but... Oh, this is a whole the, different deal, man. Yeah, the size of that one, the music that they have on it, the location, it works. I mean... Uh, I mean, I think we need see. to do, just while we're together and we're talking about this, and, and we'll we'll pin this, we've got to do an Instagram post. It's three photos. The first photo is Chris and DJ's top ten. Swipe, and then it's our top tens. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I've got to put some real thought into it, though, I because yeah. I haven't ranked in many, many years, and I've since ridden coasters and visited parks and moved. So I'd be very interested to, to put all that together, but that's that's going to be a fun thing to do. I wonder if that's going to get any uh, what uh, from people as they <laughs> Mine react will. to it. <laughs> Give us, give us one tease of something that would be in your top ten that maybe others wouldn't <laughs> well, believe. Well, okay, something that will be in contention for it. I'm not saying it will be in there, but something in contention is Mystery Mine. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> See, that was like a visceral reaction you just had. I didn't say it's guaranteed to get placement. All I'm saying mm. is it will be in consideration, probably for that tenth spot. Interesting. I can't say it'll be in my top ten. Yeah, so probably we'll have not. To see. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's fun to compare. It's just. I imagine so. if I were a golden ticket voter, I would be the only reason Mystery Mind would still be on like a top fifty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't ridden it since they uh, redid the middle portion, but we'll we'll have to see there. Maybe it's better. Maybe it isn't. We'll have to see. But yeah, it was good time. Loved Serengeti Flyer. Uh, I think the size and location really make the difference there. It's just so smooth and so fast. And you get that weightlessness when you go up and then you feel heavy. and weight. It's a swing, but it's enormous. I mean, it's so simple in that sense, but so good. I love it. I really get a sense of speed on that swing specifically. The other swings, I'm like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but this one, I think maybe the only way it could be better. I, I don't know. Do you think... It being out in the middle of the quote-unquote Serengeti makes it better, or do you like the swings that are around other buildings, around other things? Huh. Well, I've ridden a couple that are, like, well-integrated into other structures or near other rides. It's not like I saw a wildebeest from the swing. That was not the case. Oh, they definitely no. stayed away, but... It's a high-intensity ride. You don't have time to really look. Yeah. I... I really yeah, no. love the location for it because it is sort of isolated a little bit from the hustle and bustle of the park. Truly. Like, that ride is is truly tucked away. Yeah, people still find it. There'll still be a line for it sometimes, but uh, definitely worth it. It was very fun. Yeah, and it seems that that area probably is where the park would expand if they could. Yeah, who knows what the, their long-term strategy looks like in terms of using the land that they have, and they have the Serengeti and different ways that they activate the Serengeti. We did just do a planet park. I feel like we're going to have to revisit yeah, that. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say, <laughs> I was like, we should have led this podcast with saying, check out the planet park. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be fun to go back and, and just look at what we chose in the planet park and then re-choose based on maybe our updated thoughts there because i spent a lot of time at that park going through and i still didn't see everything but i i got a much better understanding of it so we'll have to come back and redo that plan of park just in a, a brief sense in fact hold on let me just set a little reminder remind me to redo the plan of park for tomorrow at 8 p.m 
Okay, setting that reminder uh, so that I can just get that outline out there and help us uh, move that along. But that's a, it's a fun ride. Sheikra, though. I had ridden that in 2013. I remember liking it, having only ridden Griffin before, but going to Sheikra and said, wow, that's more intense than Griffin. It only has one Immelman loop, but I love that intensity there. It's still fun. I rode it in third row and in front row. I wonder if it's getting a little punchy because of the age of the ride. And I'm not going to be one to complain about a ride being rough or anything because I know rides are rides. I mean, they're fun. It's good like that. But it was a couple moments when I was in third row. I was like, oh, that, that hit the side of my head a little bit. And usually I'm good at that. I'm able to press against the front of a, a B&M over the shoulder restraint and not leave any room so that my head is out and forward and that it's not going to um, be banging against the side of it, knocking my glasses off or anything like that. Uh, a little bit with Sheikra, I wasn't able to avoid that for whatever reason. And uh, I remember Griffin being as smooth as butter last time I had ridden it uh, a little while ago. So I'm going to be interested to uh, go back to other dive coasters and compare. But while I liked Sheikra, it had a little bit of a, a little bit of a punch to it, which is not going to disqualify it from being an incredible ride. But I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think the most recent dive I've done, well, it's Sheikra, but before that was uh, Yukon Striker. And I think that's where, you know, the haters of the vest restraint on B&Ms, I think that's where the vest restraint wins. I mean, theoretically, you'll never have any of that headbangingness going on because there's no restraint around your head. It's a, it's a chest yeah. vest sort, sort of thing. And so um, I had the same review that you just said. Um, it is intense, but kind of got too much headbanging for me and I, and with my height it just doesn't work well i remember walking around Shikra just in a in marveling at how well integrated it was into the land around it yes. similarly to griffin as well where there are even supports that are built into buildings and then it dives into the ruins of a building as well and thinking wow this is incredibly well done and built into the land and building up the land around it. And I thought to myself, when this opened for the first time in 2005, I bet people didn't know what to do with themselves because there had never been anything like that before. A 90 degree drop where you have an eight across train, three rows, and it just dives straight down into these enormous <laughs> sweeping inversions. We had never seen anything like it, especially not people on the East Coast by that time. And I just wonder what the response was back then. We ought to, I wonder if there's a time machine to go back into the coaster forums and have people... <laughs> and read what they thought about this coaster coming into being and seeing these construction photos of this enormous B&M track and thinking there's nothing like this. Oblivion didn't do anything like this where it just had the drop and the turn and then the brake run. Uh, even wonder, if the average American even knew what Oblivion was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the internet was still young. You might be able to find a, a couple pictures of Oblivion, maybe a blurry video but in 2005, but... To, to get to Sheikra and say, wow, this is a dive machine. Welcome. It's the future. <laughs> that, that must have been an exciting time as well. So definitely exciting to ride Sheikra. I was really glad to ride that again. 
Uh, but similarly to Shikra, I remembered Kumba and Montu being unreal and intense to me back then. I was like, in 2013, I had not ridden a ton of coasters, and I was like, wow, Florida coasters are really intense, because I had gone to these <laughs> coasters having not ridden much more intense things before that, because I didn't know coasters could be so wild back in the day. I didn't know parks could be so big. Uh, and while they are both still fun rides with Kumba and Montu, they were pretty punchy in the rows that weren't the front. And I guess that's just a factor of these rides being nearly 30 years old. I think Kumba is 31, 32 this year, something like that. Montu is a couple years away from that. And, and who knows? I mean, with Nemesis, they did a, a retracking of it this past offseason where they just simply replaced all the track. And then it's reopening again. And we haven't seen the reviews yet. People haven't written it yet. But they are doing that to maintain the longevity of such an iconic ride there. Uh, the Incredible Hulk in Universal Orlando, they did similar retracking, just replacing the track itself. Um, and that uh, added to that that's ride uh, their throughput as well and that's certainly a ride that i enjoy riding in islands of adventures when i islands of adventure when i go as well but uh, who knows what's in the cards for these rides i i think with montu the new color scheme grew on me in person the track oh, stayed that dark blue purple thing but the supports where previously they were like khaki sandstone color they repainted them to a bright yellow and at first when I saw that paint happening and I saw photos that I was like, hold on, I loved that color scheme. And then when I saw the, the bright yellow, I was like, wow, that's so bright. I, I, what happened to my khakis? And the color scheme grew on me in person because it was sort of like the, the shade of yellow that you might see in a, a painted hieroglyphic set in Egypt, or at least that's what I liken it to. Uh, so Montu was a good time. I did ride it a couple times, and, and that still holds up, especially getting that ride in the front row. It's a great time. Kumba. Here we go. Kumba, DJ. Used to be my number two coaster when I rode it in 2013, so I was eager to get back. The coaster has aged, but I'd say it's still perfect in the front, and that zero-G roll is unmatched. There is no better zero-G roll in a roller coaster period. Now, I'm going to qualify this and say I don't count the Mosasaurus roll as a zero-G roll. Because it's not? <laughs> Yeah, I'd count that as something a little different, but with the going up and then rolling and then going down, Kumba has to be the best one that's ever been made. Uh, it has been, I mean, just riding that Zero Jewel, getting, there's no better word for it, getting yeeted through it. It's incredible. <laughs> the intensity of the ride, too, the, the loudness of it, it's, it's such a good ride. And again, seeing how they built the land up around it, it's like, wow, look at that. They... They built those ravines in there too, but it's just so well built around it. Same with Montu as well. Same with so many of the coasters here. They really did put a lot of effort into building up the topography around these coasters to make them something more, and it shows. It's interesting um, that Kumba's kept its color scheme all these years. Oh, they better not touch Kumba's color scheme. I love Kumba's color scheme. It's perfect with that sort of bright, deep blood red support, uh, but then the teal orange aqua not orange teal blue green thing on the track it is unmatched it's very 90s it's extremely 90s but i love it i uh have a just a quick interesting story about kumba 
the only reason I first knew what Kumba was um, growing up was when I got my hands on the No Limits 1 demo. It gave you five coasters, I believe. It was five or seven. And that was one of them, was a recreation of Kumba. Oh, yeah. They, it's, it's built into our DNA as coaster enthusiasts there, and for good and reason. Of course, I had to put up that shot on our social media. Yeah, I took that iconic photo as well. It didn't turn out as well because it's weird with the, the new iPhone cameras. My, my iPhone isn't entirely new, but the, the camera thing, it sort of changes focus as it goes from macro to not. So with uh, the, the mesh of the netting, I was, wasn't entirely capturing a great shot, but had to get that shot nonetheless. It's such an iconic photo of those interlocking corkscrews and the loop around the lift hill too. I mean, imagine when they were building that and then just like three years ago by the, well, I say 92 in Kumbo, and then three years ago, they were building coasters with, without computer-aided engineering to that extent. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because I know people talk about this all the time, but like the fact that that park got Kumba and Williamsburg got Drakenfire. Like, when they they challenged Arrow to say, we want the same thing, we don't want the same old, same old, like you're talking about. They're like, we want computer-aided design. How do you make this happen? And it, it's just so interesting how this ride has stood the test of time. Yeah. I mean, all this, all this being said, I love Kumba. It's not in my top 10 anymore, but I still love it. But it is in the back of the park. And while it did have quite a weight on that Saturday where I was visiting, it's really something that guests have to seek out to get to. They have to know that Kumba's back there. They have to go past Stanleyville to get there. And I wonder if they do look for future expansion or moving on to new adventures, is Kumba something that would be replaced or removed? I have to wonder. I wonder the same too. I think a good way to classify this coaster is just that it gets the job done. Would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, it's a long ride. It has very great pacing between the elements where it goes one after the other, but then there's a little thing where you do a little hop and turn right before the Cobra roll. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love Kumba. I want it to exist forever, but who knows what the future is going to hold? Well, we'll have to see. That's right. What else did you ride? I also rode Scorpion once. I had to get that out of the way. I'd ridden it previously, but it had been a while. (laughs) I like your note by Scorpion. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, on my notes in the outline, I put Scorpion dash, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a fine ride. I'm glad it's there. A little bit of variety there. It's a fun, old, looping roller coaster that I guess is maybe a good example of a a first inversion for a lot of people. Um, And it's there. I mean... I think in our planet park, we might have removed it in favor of expanding that path, but it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's in Pantopia. It's a color scheme that is very close to uh, Shikra. I mean, I noticed that when I was standing in yeah. front of yep. Scorpion, and I was like, wow, those coasters almost blend in with each other with the navy blue supports and bright red track. What gets me uh, about Scorpion is, is how like small it is. Like, not the height or anything necessarily, but like... The queue, the air gates, the the track gauge. It's almost like a yeah. single rail before we had a single rail. It's very compact. And yeah, the, the box spine on the loop is almost like a single rail. Almost. I mean, back in the days, 
it would have been their equivalent of a single rel, even though they did have multiple rels there. But it's it's fun to think. I mean, just next door to Scorpion, there was something that I had never ridden before, and that was Falcon's Fury. They had announced it last time I was there, but here it was built in all its glory, and it was incredible. I loved the height. I loved the dive function. I thought it was a little amusing that they had two coasters with a dive function with both Shikra <laughs> and then, well, and then Falcon's Fury, not a coaster. And then Iron Gwazi, which had a beyond vertical drop, but yep. still over 200 feet. So, I mean, they've got the thrills of Bush Gardens Tampa, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I got to say with Falcon's Fury, it was a long enough drop that I adjusted to the experience and the forces as I was dropping and sort of took time to exist and said, oh, I'm dropping. I'm still dropping. I'm here and I'm <laughs> dropping. Oh, now we're done. Uh, it was it was great, DJ. I loved Falcon's Fury. I don't always seek out die, uh, drop towers because uh, usually I'm on to coasters or whatever, but Falcon's Fury, I rode that so many times. It's such a great ride. Wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's one ride I skipped. Um, maybe oh, I need, to, I need to do it. Yeah, yeah. I just, something about being on a drop tower just... I don't know. It's something in the back of my brain. I just, I just don't like them. You got to turn your brain off. That's the point. Yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, my wife says I do that a lot. So. Ah, uh, love it. Just kidding. Well, while, love you. Love you. She listens. While I was riding Falcon's Fury, I got a great view of their construction for Phoenix Rising. And they had the construction walls up right next to Falcon's Fury. It's going to be in Pantopia as well. And they were placing a lot of the supports as well around it. So we could see sort of the scope of the footprint, but they hadn't gone vertical in the sense of steel going up yet. But uh, I'm intrigued to see how that comes along as well. Uh, we have Seawood Orlando opening up Penguin Track this year as well as a miniature B&M with a dive. And I have to wonder if they're using the same construction resources for Penguin Track as they are for phoenix rising because penguin tracks track is complete and then falcon's fury they're just getting no, sorry phoenix rising they're just getting started now so i wonder if they were finishing this one project from a, a structure uh, point of view and then going over down i4 to tampa uh, i wonder if that's the case but they are building that yeah, now that probably could be true yeah so i'm excited to see how that goes uh, i also rode the sky ride which had opened up literally the first day of my visit was the first time that it had operated since early 2020. Uh, they had fun first to ride buttons. I didn't get any of those because I wasn't the first first to ride, but uh, it was it was good. I remember riding it in 2013 and just loving the views around Cheetah Hunt. I got those same views again, and it was funny full circle moment, like coming back to that and saying, I have stared at photos that I took of this ride for years, and here I am taking different photos of that same ride again. Uh, it's, it's a funny moment like that. But the Sky Ride reopening, uh, it was a big deal, so it was a, a bit of a wait as well. These rides don't always have the best capacity, and it takes a lot of people to, uh, to run them through the different stations. Uh, but there was a lot of excitement. You could tell people were excited to ride them again. Uh, even if there was a $5 charge to ride it, uh, if you weren't a pass member. Now, I was, so I didn't have to worry about that additional charge, uh, but that is something that they have added to uh, riding that. Uh, if you want to ride it, you got to pay $5 if you're not a pass holder, similarly to the Sky Tower in SeaWorld Orlando. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that would be another great perk of having a pass, too. And I feel like that would be one of the better sky rides around, just because of where the park is and where it's located. I think still probably superior, I think, is the classic Cedar Point boardwalk. I do like the Williamsburg uh, sky ride that takes you around the coasters. That's pretty cool, too. But I think this one would be up there. Well, this is one of two rides to experience the Serengeti area without purchasing a behind-the-scenes tour, which they did sell, but I didn't get it. You could either ride the train, which is wild because you're you're going through the Serengeti and there's just wildebeests and giraffes and zebras just sitting there right next to you. Um, and then, so you got to get pretty close to them in, from that sense. And then the only other thing that you can do is the sky ride to go over that area. Uh, so it was great to see that that had opened back up as one of the area, one of the ways to encounter the Serengeti as real attraction there. So I loved it. Um, it was fun to ride. It was worth the wait as well. Glad I didn't have to pay the $5 as a past member. And uh, it was a good time. It was funny, though. We stopped pretty close to the, the final station where we would disembark. And that was perfect because we were right there by Tigris. We just got to sort of watch Tigris and watch Shikra go from the distance, watch the animals run around underneath us. Uh, so we got a little bit of our extra time with that, and I was glad to see that. Yeah, I hope to one day do that train. I kind of forget it's there, and then I always feel like, not that I'm in a rush, but it just kind of gets put to the back burner. So hopefully one day I can do that too. Well, with those three days that I spent at Busch Gardens Tampa, of course, the entirety of those days were not all spent at the park, but I wanted to be sure to ride both the big rides as well, uh, but also ride things that I might not have gotten a chance to if I was just burning through the park in one day. So I did ride the train. I rode the sky ride. I didn't get to see any of the shows. You see, you could do the park for three days and still not do everything with as much as many things as there are there. Uh, but they did have some Mardi Gras festivities going on. They had, uh, I think, a Chicago cover band playing as well in the Stanleyville Theater and then an ice show as well. Uh, but I didn't get to see those, unfortunately. All in all, though, I'd say it's an incredible ride lineup. Uh, it's a huge park. There are things that I left undone. Um, and especially those trails that run through the center of the park where I sort of went through some of those trails going back and forth between Serengeti Flyer, but there's so much more to explore as well that I didn't even get to yet uh, with Bush Gardens Tampa. So I'm very intrigued at the prospect of being down in Orlando and then taking the shuttle from either SeaWorld Orlando or a, a nearby area in Orlando Publix. and then heading out to Tampa for the day. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Because if I have, already have an Orlando trip and then maybe I do SeaWorld and Universal and then maybe spend a day in Tampa, I'd be very intrigued at that and not have to worry about my own transportation getting over there. So a very good park. I'd have to go back and, and enjoy that another time. There's so much I didn't even get to do yet. So love Busch Gardens Tampa. DJ, all good things must come to an end. Uh, we are going to sign off for you right now because your your phone's about to be depleted. And I am going to take the reins. I am going to do my own thing. I'm going to talk about Zoo Tampa, all, everything that I saw and ate in Tampa as well. And DJ, I'm adding a little bit more homework for you. You're going to have to go back and listen to this podcast to hear all of the fun things that I did outside of Bush Gardens Tampa as well. Are you ready for that? I'm going to do that right after I re-listen to my Colorado experience. Okay. Well, sounds like a plan, DJ. We'll catch you later. Now it's just me and the dear listener.
Tampa was a very fun city, even outside of Busch Gardens work. There was so much to do, so much that I even left unseen that I heard about and that I'd love to get back to someday. Uh, but I really have to give a shout out to Quinn and Haley. They were great ambassadors for the local culture and helped me to see a better taste of Tampa as well. Like we'd previously mentioned earlier in the show, Ebor is a place that I feel like I could have some adventures in. It's like if Nashville were in Florida. Uh, to put it like that, or maybe even Nashville by way of Key West, if we're going with vibes. Everything has a vague pirate vibe in Tampa, of course, with its uh, proximity to Gasparilla. I was just a week late from Gasparilla, so I didn't get to participate in those festivities, but uh, beautiful city. I really enjoyed the waterfront as well. We spent some time at the Armature, which was a sort of uh, old warehouse that had been turned into a food court. Lots of live music, lawn games, fancy foods. Uh, we had a nice sushi bowl at Zuku, Z-U-K-K-U, in Armature, uh, which was incredible. It had that tempura shrimp and, and everything else. I had the dumplings along with it. Uh, I really did enjoy it. It was wonderful. Uh, my lunch on Saturday, though, I went to a place called Wicked Oak Barbecue. Here we are, dear listener. You know we couldn't get past an episode without talking about barbecue. And Wicked Oak was great. It was decently close to both Zoo Tampa and Bush Gardens in that area of Tampa. And I got these nachos that had barbecue chicken on them with some fresh ingredients as well. And then, of course, I had to try something else. And I went with a platter that had this smoked sausage on it that was cut diagonally and served with Texas toast. I was in heaven, dear listener. It was very delicious. They had a lot of different sauces that you were able to try as well. A lot of sweet and spicy sauces. Uh, but I just had to keep it simple for my barbecue. Uh, the meat did all the work there in terms of taste. It was very good, so I'd highly recommend Wicked Oak Barbecue as well. Uh, right after Wicked Oak, I said, you know what? I could deal to have something sweet. So we crossed the street and we went to the Revolution. This is a, an ice cream shop that had all these novelty flavors of ice cream that they put together based on what they want. And it's, it's fun because they have different items that maybe you wouldn't compare to ice cream. I'd probably compare it to like one of those uh, locally owned donut shops. It just puts things on a donut that you would have never imagined would be on a donut. This is an example of that, but for ice cream. I had a freshly um, formed waffle cone and I had two scoops in it. One scoop was banana and they had little crumbles of the Nilla wafers on it. And then the top scoop was Oreo. And of course it did have the Oreo chunks in it as well. It was so good, so rich from that sense too. And those two enormous scoops were really the cherry on top, even if I didn't have a cherry on top. During my time down in Tampa as well, I also spent some time at Zoo Tampa for the first time. Now, I haven't been to many zoos, but this was a very special facility. I really enjoyed myself. They had great themed areas uh, made for the different continents and the animals that you could find there too. Uh, there were organic looking enclosures that weren't just maybe like a fence or, um, or something like that, where it was built intuitively, where it does fully enclose the space, but you're able to really get that open air feel for a lot of the exhibits as well, especially the primates. You were like, wow, they're really just over there. 
Uh, it was it was very great access to be able to see them and, and see them go about their day and have fun and swing and play around. Uh, there are many different levels and different ways to wander and explore throughout the different exhibits, so I would highly recommend Zoo Tampa. They did have a fun safari ride by the look of it. I didn't, wasn't able to get onto it due to the weight and how popular it was, but it looked like a good time too. And of course, they have a shoot the shoots ride as well. Uh, which looked very good. I mean, the, the supports of their ride there were painted to mimic a wooden support to make it look like it was a, a wooden beam. Uh, so that was pretty special as well to see that the, the care that they took to really build out the experience for the rides at that zoo. The highlight, though, I would have to say, has got to be how close we were able to get to the giraffes. They were eating romaine. Uh, I will have to say they did have the spines in the romaine. They didn't cut the spine out of the romaine like I always do, uh, that I've recently started doing that. And it, it's it's game-changing, dear listener. If you haven't listened to the previous episode where I described why and how I cut the spines out of romaine, go back and listen to that and then thank me later. The giraffes, though, they were just eating the, the romaine leaf by leaf. It was incredible to see them just scoop up the romaine with their tongue uh, very close to us as well. And it was a very great encounter that we had there. So Zoo Tampa, I would also highly recommend. It's very close to Bush Gardens Tampa as well. Uh, there's so much to do in the area. We didn't even cover the sports venues or the other districts or campuses around Tampa. Uh, but it's a beautiful city. So much going on. I can definitely see why it is so popular. Dear listener, this was a great corkscrew conversation that we had with DJ earlier as well. If you'd like to have a corkscrew conversation with us, there's a really easy way to do that. That's just by emailing us at corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. We also have our social media. We're on X, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We have the accounts, the uh, the. Uh, link trees are there, so if you'd like to find our shop with the items that we described earlier or different elements of the Corkscrew Convos experience, that is a great way to do that as well. I took some fun photos from my trips. So I'll be looking forward to posting those on Instagram sooner rather than later as well. If you'd like to help out the show, there's a really free, easy way to do that. That is by leaving a written five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just a five-star review on Spotify. Uh, Spotify, of course, doesn't have the written function, but we'd certainly welcome you to leave that five-star review as well. It's a really free way to help us out, and we appreciate it. But until next time, my name is Chris. His name was DJ. His phone ran out of battery, so he isn't here anymore. Uh, but this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.